Hello, and again, thank you for taking time to be able to join us for our Bible study this week. Uh, we're going to obviously continue on in our study of the book of Acts. Today we're looking at uh, chapter 22. If you watched with us this past week, you'll notice we did leave off in uh, chapter 21, so we're actually going to pick up there today. It's Acts chapter 21, verse 37, uh, because it really does roll right into our uh, account for today. Any comments you have, Pastor Mark, before we get started? No, Paul is uh, about to speak to the crowd. And when he speaks to the crowd, if you're listening to us as we read today and you think, I think I've heard this before, you have. Just uh, remember in the book of Acts, there's a lot of uh, just telling of the history and laying out the story. And a lot of times it's referring back to things that have happened both within this book and other pieces of scripture. So sometimes it kind of retells itself a little bit just in different ways as they carry the story along. Mm -hmm. So with that, we'll start with uh, Acts. Uh, again, we're doing 22, but we're going to start with 21, verse 37. Paul speaks to the crowd. As the soldiers were about to take Paul into the barracks, he asked the commander, May I say something to you? Do you speak Greek? He replied. Aren't you the Egyptian who started a revolt and led 4,000 terrorists out into the desert some time ago? And no, no, he's not. <laughs> no, yeah, that's, no, that's good clarification. Because Paul, Paul, Paul's answer is, he doesn't uh, confirm or deny, I guess. Huh? <laughs> uh, Paul answered, I am a Jew from Tarsus in Cilicia, a citizen of no ordinary city. Please let me speak to the people. Having received the commander's permission, Paul stood on the steps and motioned to the crowd. When they were all silent, he said to them in Aramaic, and by the way, if he's letting them speak, then he must have obviously taken from his answer that no, he wasn't this one that yeah. created this big, huge revolt. Not the crazy guy. And here's the beginning of chapter 22, verse 1. Brothers and fathers, listen now to my defense. When they heard him speak to them in Aramaic, they became very quiet. Then Paul said, I am a Jew, born in Tarsus of Cilicia, but uh, brought up in this city under Gamaliel. I was thoroughly trained in the law of our fathers and was just as zealous for God as any of you are today. I persecuted the followers of this way to their death, arresting both men and women and throwing them into prison, uh, as also the high priest and on the council can testify. I even obtained letters from them to their brothers in Damascus and went there to bring people as prisoners to Jerusalem to be punished. So maybe you just pause there. Uh, again, you already started hearing, I think, some familiar pieces of Paul's story mm -hmm. that he is sharing with the people who are around them, which I really appreciate because he's sharing uh, testimony with them that is it's not uplifting on his behalf, right? It, he's talking about these bad things that he has done, and I think that makes it even more truthful and connecting with, with the people that are there. Yeah, I think, no, he's not bragging. He is uh, trying to give the, these people his, what is it, what's the Latin, the bon, his bona fides. Oh, he yeah. Is, he's saying, look, I am uh, a Jew of Jews. I was against this Christian sect. Uh, when it's launched, um, when he says, I was a student of Gamaliel, this was the most highly respected rabbi of his day. This would have been like, hey, I was a disciple of Billy Graham. Mm. Um, he's putting it out there like, I am, I know. And he's speaking in Aramaic. That was the other thing, right? He so there's this great connection there. Greek to the soldier. Yep. And then switches to Aramaic to speak to the, to the people in Jerusalem. Yep. And so immediately, again, making that 
connection. I got something to say here. And there's something about that, right? Being able to reach people. Again, for us today, the application for us as Christians, reaching people on their own level. Maybe that's not always a, a language, but what are the other barriers that exist between us and people in the world where we can kind of eliminate those in any way possible to be able to meet them where they're at? Sometimes we just expect people to come to us, you know, come to the, come to the church, well, if, if we do this, we put a bigger sign out front, people will come to the church. If we have better lighting, people will come to the church. Better worship, people will come. And all those things, while being true, they are. It is also true that we as the church need to be able to go out to them, which is probably actually more important. And we see that over and over again in the life of Paul. Yeah, and, and our own personal stories of what God's done in our life. Yes. So it's so easy to connect with people. Uh We've been in some, whether it's parenting or maybe it's different jobs, maybe we've had or dangerous situations or losses or disease, you know, health problems we've had, uh, or even our for many people, their kind of walk, their kind of faith journey, mm-hmm. you know, to be able to put it out. There, hey, you know, there's a time I had a lot of questions about God. Hey, when I was in college, I didn't go to church, I kind of walked away from the faith. And uh, what did God do to bring me back and to share that with other people? In, in those similar situations is one of the most powerful connections we can make with people. And that's what we got to remember about our testimony, right? And uh, I know for me personally, I should probably be more clear when I bring that up in a sermon or in a Bible study. When we talk about our testimony, it isn't just uh, trying to come up with, hey, this is how God changed me and, and did this. Part of your testimony is just, I think, the story that God gave you in general to be able to have those touch points with others. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I was able to sit down with a member uh, yesterday who just came into the office, and we probably talked for 35 or 40 minutes because we had another individual in our lives that uh, we both knew who was uh, important in some way to us, and we had a lot of different connections. And we sat there and talked about that for so long in something that we may not have realized that we had in common, but it really opens up the doors in our conversation. And if we can do that with brothers and sisters inside the church walls, it's something that we can do outside the church walls as well. Definitely. All right, chapter 22, verse 6. Mm-hmm. Paul's t- continuing his own life story to the people, the crowd. About noon, as I came near Damascus, suddenly a bright light from heaven flashed around me. I fell to the ground and heard a voice say to me, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? I asked. I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom you are persecuting, he replied. This is Paul telling the story now, his own story of conversion. Uh, My companions saw the light but they did not understand the voice of him who was speaking to me. What shall I do, Lord? I asked. Get up, the Lord said, and go into Damascus. There you will be told all that you have been assigned to do. My companions led me by the hand onto Damascus because the brilliance of the light had blinded me. Verse 12. A man named Ananias came to see me. He was a devout observer of the law and highly respected by all the Jews living there. He stood beside me and said, Brother Saul, receive your sight. And at that very moment, I was able to see him. Then he said, The God of our fathers has chosen you to know his will and to see the righteous one, capitalized. And, that's Jesus, uh, and to hear words from his mouth. You will be his witness. To all men of what you have seen and heard, 
And now, what you are waiting for? Uh, what are you waiting for? Get up, be baptized, and wash your sins away, calling on His name. When I returned to Jerusalem, and was praying at the temple, I fell into a trance and saw the Lord speaking. Quick, He said to me, "Leave Jerusalem immediately, because they will not accept your testimony about me." Lord, I replied, "These men know that uh, that I went from one synagogue to another to." Im- to imprison and beat those who believe in you. And uh, when the blood of your martyr Stephen was shed, I stood there giving my approval and guarding the clothes of uh, who they were killing. Then the Lord said to me, Go, I will send you far away to the Gentiles. So a lot of repetition from, uh, I was just even flipping back to your mm-hmm. reading, from chapter 9 of the story of the conversion. But like you said, Paul really explaining in his own words here of Jesus coming to him. I appreciate that. Verse 6, those first two words about noon, uh, he talks about this bright light that's there, right? I mean, think about what it looks like here in Arizona around noon on a most normal mm-hmm. days of so many hundreds of days of sun. It, I mean, it's pretty bright outside. So to describe something as being this bright light had to be so massive and impactful. Uh, and interestingly enough, the men around uh, Saul, Paul, see this light mm-hmm. but can't understand the words that are there, you know, that Jesus is coming specifically to speak to Saul at this time. Right, and I, and I don't know if my memory was bad or what, but I, I seem to remember thinking of this story as they 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 couldn't hear the voice, only Paul heard the voice. Mm-hmm. But that's not what he said. He said they couldn't understand, understand the words. Understand it, yeah. Almost so, uh, not necessarily a gibberish, I wouldn't maybe say, they heard something like, different. Now my mind is thinking like Revelation, kind of the sound, the voice from the throne, kind of like this rolling thunder, mm. or crashing waves. It's kind of interesting. I don't know. Well, good question to ask when we get to heaven, yeah, right? Yeah, we're ready to <laughs> look Paul up. But we see here again this affirmation of God choosing uh, his people to be able to go out, uh, even the most unlikely uh, mm-hmm. individual. We see Ananias uh, coming and being able to speak God's words over this individual. You remember in chapter 9, it's Ananias who stops and says, Lord, are you sure? I've heard about this guy. Yeah. Don't know if this is the one you really want to have on your side. I think he's here looking for me. I don't think I need to go find him. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So we go through here, and uh, then it gets down to this concept of uh, Saul speaking with uh, the Lord and having kind of this, I don't know, meet-up point uh, when he returns to Jerusalem, was praying at the temple, fell down in a trance and saw the Lord speaking. And he says, quick, leave Jerusalem immediately uh, because they're not going to accept your testimony about me. Uh, you know, that's interesting, you know, hearing Jesus himself say those words, right? He doesn't say, uh, you know, I'm going to make everything okay. These people are, are good. He simply says that they're not going to accept it, you mm-hmm. know, which is... I don't know, surreal for us maybe in some way of the of the Lord saying that, but it's the truth too, right, of the, the sin that we have in our lives and even people who are around us today that, you know, they, they deny who Christ is or who the Lord is. They just don't want to be able to understand that or to listen to these words. Good. So the Lord sends them out going far away from the Gentiles, and uh, we get into our next section here, uh, Paul the Roman citizen, verse 22 if you're reading along with us. Uh, The crowd listened to Paul until he said this. Interestingly enough, right, they're listening. Mm -hmm. Until he said this. Then they raised their voices and shouted, Rid the earth of him. He's not fit to live. 
As they were shouting and throwing off their cloaks and flinging dust into the air, the commander ordered Paul to be taken into the barracks. He directed that he be flogged and questioned in order to find out why the people were shouting at him like this. That's kind of interesting. You know? I'm not going to ask the people around. Let's take this guy in. We'll, we'll whip him out of him here. As they stretched him out to flog him, Paul said to the centurion standing there, Is it legal for you to flog a Roman citizen who hasn't even been found guilty? When the centurion heard this, he went out to the commander and reported it. What are you going to do, he asked. This man is a Roman citizen. The commander went to Paul and asked, Tell me, are you a Roman citizen? Yes, I am, he answered. Then the commander said, I had to pay a big price for my citizenship. But I was born a citizen, Paul replied. Those who were about to question him withdrew immediately. The commander himself was alarmed when he realized that he had put Paul, a Roman citizen, in chains. And we've described this very similar thing happening to Paul earlier within the book, right? I think especially in Philippi, I think is where it was, where uh, he didn't tell him until after... Like he had spent the night in jail. Or yeah, something. yeah. And then he said, "No, no, no, no. You." Oh, they're like, "Oh, we're sorry, we're gonna let you go." He's like, "No, no. You go get the chiefs. You tell them the escorts yeah, to out. walk us through, kind of the show." I mean, obviously, that is a huge deal for these Roman uh, citizens mm-hmm. to be able to have this, you know, underneath their belt, if you will, to yeah. have these other rights that different people did not have. You know, yeah. Like, was it jurisprudence? Is that what it's called? Is yeah, it kind sure. of a fair trial. They yep. have the right to, yeah. And this is the concept. Man, I just brought this up a little while back. Oh, I know. We were talking about uh, our sermon series uh, in which Jesus is. Being, they try to attempt to uh, trick Jesus, and they give him the coin, right? And they're saying, you know, who do we pay taxes to? And it's important to understand that, you know, certain taxes and certain rights weren't given to certain people, and that's what they're really trying to trap Jesus with mm-hmm. in this moment, uh, because certain people were held under different standards. It, you know, it wasn't a fair society, if you were. But Paul fits this this shoe as being this Roman citizen, which probably did help him out in several ways of being able to uh, evangelize to people and have them say, well, yeah, he is like us. Yeah, and we'll see before the before the acts is 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 over that it's his citizenship that finally gets him to Rome, which was his heart's desire. Yeah, for so to spread long the gospel of the capital and the heart of the empire, the, the center of the wor- known world, really. All right, you want me to pick it up? Yeah, these guys are all worried. Verse thirty. All right, so now he goes before the Sanhedrin. This is the Jewish authorities. Uh, verse thirty. Yeah, the next day, since the commander wanted to find out exactly why Paul was being accused by the Jews, he released him and ordered the chief priests and all the Sanhedrin to assemble. Then he brought Paul and had him stand before them. Now we're getting into chapter twenty-three to continue the story. Sure. It's a few verses, I guess. Paul looked straight at the Sanhedrin and said. My brothers, I have fulfilled my duty to God in all good conscience to this day. At this, the high priest Ananias ordered those standing near Paul to strike him on the mouth. Then Paul said to him, God will strike you, you whitewashed wall. (laughs) (laughs) Well, all right. Uh, You sit there to judge me according to the law, yet you yourself violate the law by commanding that I be struck. Those who were standing near Paul said, You dare to insult God's high priest? Paul replied, Brothers, I did not realize that he was the high priest, for it is written, Do not speak evil about the ruler of your people. 
Uh, then Paul, knowing that some of them were Sadducees and the others Pharisees, called out in the Sanhedrin, My brothers, I am a Pharisee, the son of a Pharisee. I stand on trial because of my hope in the resurrection of the dead. Hmm. Uh, when he said this, I believed uh, a dispute broke out between the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and the assembly was divided. Verse 8, and this is kind of the parenthetical thought here for the reader. Uh, the Sadducees say that there is no resurrection and that uh, there are neither angels nor spirits, but the Pharisees acknowledge them all. Uh, there was a great uproar, and some of the teachers of the law, who were Pharisees, stood up and argued vigorously. We find nothing wrong with this man, they said. What if a spirit or angel has spoken to him? <laughs> the, oh, that's funny. Um, the dispute became so violent that the commander was afraid Paul would be torn to pieces by them. He ordered the troops to go down and take him away from them by force and bring him into the barracks again. And then verse 11, uh, we'll wrap it up. Uh, the following night, the Lord stood near Paul and said, Take courage, as you have testified about me in Jerusalem, so you must also testify in Rome. Mm. This was his goal. But back to the uh, the beginning of the chapter. Oh, uh, when uh, Paul says, uh, God will strike you, you whitewashed wall. I knew that's what you were looking for. Yeah, yeah, that's... That's going back to when Jesus was insulting them, the Sanhedrin, the leaders, over and over again. Uh, woe to you, woe to you. Uh, and he called them whitewashed walls. Kind of this, they have this veneer of holiness, this white. Paul and Jesus earlier said, I can see right through that. Like you're, this you're like this old, phony, dirty wall, right, that you would take white paint and you would put it on top. It's still filled with dirt and muck, mm -hmm. but it's still there. It's this concept of... Uh, of a hypocrite, right? Uh, that old house that has rotted wood and somebody just puts like a fresh coat of paint on it. It's still got the rotted wood underneath, but you're trying to make it look good. Yeah, exactly. And then also in verse one, uh, where he starts off, hey, my brothers, I fulfilled my duty to God in all good conscience. Hmm. And that kind of reminds me also of Martin Luther, with that here I stand. Yeah. Yeah. With the word of God, faith, and my conscience, you know, I can't go against that. And to go against that would not be wise. It would be dangerous. Mm -hmm. uh, and Paul's standing there on trial saying, look, I, <laughs> the Lord has spoken to me. I've done what he's told me to do. Uh, it aligns with my conscience. Um, you know, I've got nothing to apologize for. Mm -hmm. And uh, in my mind, nothing, nothing you can accuse me of. As far as breaking the law. Yeah, it's funny. He says, yeah, this is what I stand on trial for, right? Because of my hope in the resurrection of the dead, which is a, a big piece of our series that we're in right now. This concept of uh, death and the hope that we have as Christians. Mm -hmm. And Paul says, really, that's the only thing that he's guilty of. Funny thing that even when he makes that statement, uh, this infighting breaks out between the Sadducees and the Pharisees mm -hmm. over, you know, what part of that statement is true or, or not. Right. And, you know, even they don't agree on this uh, method of attacking him. Yeah, I think that, yeah, that's part of his own, uh, Paul's own little uh, way of getting out of that situation, turning <laughs> out against each other. Uh, the Pharisees do believe in the resurrection, spirits, angels, all that. But the Pharisees are, are so focused on the law. Right, the law, the law. That's why they are fair. You see, 
That joke made me sad, you see. <laughs> no, no, no. That's not the <laughs> second part. That's not the second part. No, no. The Sadducees do not believe in the resurrection. Yeah. That's why they're sad, you see. Well, I'm going to let you tell those jokes on Sunday <laughs> so everybody can hear them. Uh, but yeah, no. So Paul's stating obviously the heart of his faith, but he, he also knows this is what's going to turn these two groups against each other. Kind of like the Republicans and the Democrats in the Congress, right? <laughs> this is the Sanhedrin. You got the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and uh, you throw out, uh, I don't know what Paul would have said, you know, I believe health care for everybody. And then, <laughs> whoop, there they go. Forget this guy. We're mad at each other again. Uh, we're attacking each other. And the, it, obviously it gets super violent. It mentions that. <clears throat> I don't mm-hmm. think this is an allegory. Uh, they actually says that the commander is afraid that Paul is going to be torn into pieces, that they literally are just going to uh, right. tear him apart right then and there. And, of course, the Pharisees are going, oh, he said resurrection. Yeah, he's a good guy. Yeah, we <laughs> like this guy. He hasn't yeah. done anything wrong. Yep. And so, uh, again, they have to, the, man, these poor uh these poor commanders and <laughs> all these guys, they're constantly like breaking up the these middle. battles. Yeah. So it forces him to bring them back into the barracks. And then we have this great conclusion here. The following night, the Lord stood near Paul and said, Take courage, as you have testified about me in Jerusalem, so you must also testify me uh, testify in Rome. Mm-hmm. And that must have given Paul uh, just so much more courage knowing that there was more yet to come, uh, that he would be able to go to Rome, as he said, was one of his goals, that Jesus himself is uh, giving him this responsibility and kind of saying, you know, appreciation as well, too, as you have testified about me, you know, this is something you have done, and, you know, I still have more for you to be able to do. And what a great message Paul gives for all of us, that he continues to testify about Christ, no matter what the consequence is to him in any way, shape, or form. It is his life goal mm-hmm. in all things. Uh, how many of us woke up today and that was our life goal? To take courage for the Lord and to say the only thing I am truly guilty of is believing in the hope we have of Jesus in the resurrection of the dead. I wouldn't say that, that was necessarily the first thing on my mind today. I got up, I might have been thinking about taking my dog out, watering the grass, having coffee, then maybe getting around to my uh, devotion time. But do I think about my day like that, like Paul did? And I know we obviously, as Christians, have responsibilities in the world, things to do. But we have uh, a key responsibility, too, that we really need to keep uh, as our life's goal. You know, the forefront of our minds, right? Yeah, yeah. It's really not anything more important because that affects how we even act around our families. It is right? that shapes the way we do everything else. That shapes what you do when you're at work mm-hmm. that day. It shapes the way you interact with that person at the grocery store. Uh, it changes uh, maybe the words that come out of your mouth, even in a moment of frustration with a child or spouse. Uh, you know, it really does. And that's a continuous, I think, life plan that we're always working on. Uh, not necessarily how do we, we get better, but how do we grow closer in our relationship with the Lord? Mm-hmm. That's good. All right. That's a wrap. Yep. Thanks for joining us. We'll Closing close prayer. Uh, Heavenly Father, uh, thank you for this time together in your word. Uh, 
and this technology that uh, you know we can join together at the, everyone's convenience um, when they can uh, quiet their hearts and minds and turn their attention uh, to your word uh, to each and every one of them. Uh, and I just ask that you would help us to keep your mission, your great commission in the forefront of our minds, that uh, we would uh, just be aware of how you would use us and who you would have us speak to and uh, what parts of our story we would share uh, with people in our lives uh, about how you've, you know, you've been faithful. Uh, your mercies are new every single day of our lives. And uh, we thank you for that. We thank you for the, using us to share your love and your peace and grace and and, uh, and our families, our friends, our neighbors. And uh, for these things, we just give you praise uh, forever and ever and ever. And we look forward to uh, that, that beautiful day of the Lord, uh, reunited with our loved ones, uh, and present uh, face-to-face in, in the glories of paradise. Um, let that be our ultimate goal, to make it to that, uh, that holy city, uh, that new Jerusalem. Uh, with all of our friends and loved ones, as many people as we can as we can bring along with us, uh, we ask this in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Amen. All right. See you next week.